You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. Oh, we've turned the April showers into May flowers. Every time you go. And yeah, you hear that song. Rister's excited, even though the longest win streak in the sport belongs to those Bo Sox at seven in a row. Kudos to the Angels who have won five consecutive. How about my D-backs at 18 and 14, just a half a game out of first? I'm rocking a Padres Juan Soto jersey, not because I, you know, am happy he left the Nats. It's because they beat the evil empire of the National League. That's the Dodgers who are just hanging on by a thread in first place. They got beat by the pods last year and knocked out of the playoffs. And the evil empire in the American League, AJ, the team that's sitting in last place looking up at those Blue Jays, the Red Sox, your Orioles who are red hot. They've now won, is it, they're 11-0 in the first game of series this year? That's incredible as they won yesterday. Another victory for the boys from Baltimore, Birdland, getting it done. The parent club of our Norfolk Tides here locally as they beat the Atlanta Braves. Got a seven spot. Was that in the sixth or seventh inning last night? They they had a seven spot. I think it was the seventh. Yeah, they just cruised past the favorites, according to the odds makers, to win the World Series. The Atlanta Braves who won it a couple of seasons ago. And then those Red Hot Rays who have won four in a row, 27 and six overall. We've got a lot to talk about, not just baseball, basketball, playoff action as Devin Booker was scintillating last night, 80% from the field. Had a cool 47 points to go with nine assists. It's Kentucky Derby Day, and we got a special guest, Daryl Wood, in the next hour of the show. We'll give you our Derby picks. We'll talk with Virginia Sports Hall of Famer Jerry Ratcliffe later in the show. You'll hear from Kurt Newsom, Hampton Roads native, head football coach of the Emory and Henry Wasps. Might sting you. And also, we got coming up on a sports betting scandal involving a college school in the SEC, Bennett Conlon, who's been a friend of the show and a guest on the program uh, when he used to cover the University of Virginia. Also does some stuff with Group of Five football and JMU and others, so he'll join us in a little bit. But we begin, and we'll talk about the latest with the VHSL and NIL with my cohort. He is known as the coach, Ed Young, and favorite fan of the fifth-place Bronx Bombers. Good morning, sir. Are you out there? Are you not out there? Is that AJ shaking his head? Oh, is, are you out there, Edward? Are you yeah, there? it seems our, our phones just decided to crash on us. Oh, it crashed on us. Okay, well, we'll get to Edward hopefully in just a little bit. But as we uh, await Edward, we can also tell you, uh, that our phone lines will be open at 757-687-9494 momentarily, and you can interact and connect with us via Twitter at 757-SPORTS-TALK. That is 757-SPORTS-TALK, where we put up different polls, different tweets, different all kinds of things for you to peruse and links to stories and items. Last week, the NFL draft took place. Uh, did have a couple of ODU Monarchs get selected. In fact, we had three ODU players get selected in last week's NFL draft as we saw the likes of Zach Kuntz, we also saw the likes. And by the way, Zach Kuntz, the massive tight end, who if you, if you saw him a year, if you saw him even just a couple years ago, not just last year, as I did in the spring game before even watching the season opener, 
against the Hokies of Virginia Tech that Old Dominion won uh, yet again against those boys from Blacksburg in the ACC. Um, you knew he was going to be a pro. Nick Saldaveri also drafted and Trey Hawkins. Saldaveri, the offensive lineman, was the first guy taken as we signed off the air last Saturday, went in the fourth round of the New Orleans Saints. Trey Hawkins, the defensive back, who went to the sixth round of the Giants. He got himself a nice lucrative deal I saw yesterday. And Kuntz went in the seventh round of the New York Jets. So a program record for the Monarchs of ODU. Good to see for them. And I think more guys will be getting drafted in the years to come to join their Rich history that's growing now, I guess you could say, with guys like O'Shane Zimenez and Taylor Heineke and others that have made it to the NFL. All right, we got the thumbs up. It's thumbs down for his Bronx Bombers, as I was saying, in fifth place in the AL East, looking up at the division-leading Rays, Rissler's Red Hot Orioles, who have the second-best record in the sport, the team with the longest win streak in the sport in Boston, and in my pick to win the division in Toronto, we say good morning to Edward Vincent, V as in victory, young. How are you, sir? Man, I tell you what, that's a long-winded introduction. I'm sitting here listening to, you went over, uh, I don't know how many things, and then all of a sudden you crashed the phones. No, I didn't do but that. Heard, that was you. You crashed I the card and you went out. And and my uh, world-famous, everybody loves them, Bronx Bombers are sought in last place. Thank God it's only May. And when they're in the playoffs come October, we'll just look back over this and say, ah, it was only May. As the and the D-backs will be fighting for a first-round pick, and Baltimore will finish probably fourth, maybe third. And oh. Nice lines. Listen to how salty he is today. Yeah, I feel like the phones are about to crash. Again. I know we're gonna. Lo- hey, you're, 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 we can't hear you. Speak. Up. Hold on, we're losing you. I need to speak up. All right, the Yankees will be in the playoffs. No, maybe third, probably fourth. Red Sox will be dead last. And the Rays will come back. How about this? How about this real quick? How about this? Let's just end this right here now. If the Yankees miss the playoffs and any combination, any combination of either my D-backs or Rissers Orioles make the playoffs, if both of us, you definitely got to pay this up. Yeah, you're you're buying us steaks. You buy no, but if the Yankees he's gotta he's gotta do a video to open the show wearing an Orioles hatter jersey mm. and a D-backs hatter jersey. You have to do that since you all are right. so bold. Oh, you said all right? There but we go. but hold on, but if the Yankees do make the playoffs, we owe nothing. Yeah, we owe nothing because he no, says it. Because it's expected. Well, hold on, hold on. If the Yankees make it, hold on. If the Yankees make it and both your Orioles and my D-backs miss it, then we we got to we got to do something. We, if, we, if they both miss it, then we got to Then he he nailed us. If we both miss it, we, he nailed us. We got we got to probably do a video in either Yankee or, or now that might be awful for us, Rister. We might have to like. Ugh, I take ten showers after I wear that Yankee. Ugh, I don't know if I can make, do that. Put it on the company very, card. Oh, yeah, very very simple. Very simple. Oh boy. I I get you guys the steak dinners you want, but if I win, you guys get me tickets to a Oriole game. So how about that Oriole game? We can do that. And I know some people, Rister, won't cost us much. Yeah, right. Yeah, we can take care of that. <laughs> wink, and wink. It be, um, it would have to be when they play my famous Yankees. Yeah, that's not a problem. We can go for that. All right, we'll get you some Tides tickets. That's good. (laughs) That's not a problem. Right, and some Tides tickets, yeah. We can take care of that. No, it's one or the other. We know. I got Al on speed dial. Al will take care of that for me. Al Al Capone, as he's known. All right, let's get to some more matters at hand that uh, are important. A couple weeks ago, if you missed the show, and it's all available on our podcast page, which you can find online at PriorityAutosportsRadio941.com. Also available at the URL that you all have probably bookmarked and are familiar with at ESPNRadio941.com. It was Ed's rant a couple weeks ago about the Virginia High School League and name, image, and likeness. My rant last week, by the way, on Mike Budenholzer deserving to be canned by the Bucks. We do send our thoughts and prayers to Coach Bud with the passing of his brother in an auto accident, which is 
Uh, no laughing matter and very sad to hear about. But uh, I did say that correctly, that Bud was going to get fired, and he did get fired. And, you know, sorry about his tragic loss in his family, but he did a terrible job coaching the Bucks in the playoffs, which is neither here nor there at the moment. But anyhow, those rants are available on our podcast page. Mine last week and Ed's two weeks ago. And maybe we'll queue up another one for Edward or me here, although I don't think we're going to really rant rant about this because uh, news came out this week as there was a – press conference of over 30 minutes that both I was on and I know Ed was on. We both watched it uh, about as early as July, high school athletes in the state of Virginia can begin to profit from their name, image, and likeness, which is NIL with product endorsements, autographs, personal appearances, social media, and more as the VHSL finalized legislation this week with an executive committee vote of 32 to 2 approving the rule 28B-2-4 And basically, it's an adoption of the NIL legislation that follows a similar ruling by the NCAA last year for college athletes and adds the state of Virginia, which I now believe 27th or 28th state, to adopt this, according to businessofcollegesports.com. Now, uh, here is the first of a couple of cuts we have. I think we have some audio bites from the executive director who was heading up this conference call alongside former uh, Grafton Athletic Director Laura Parker, who was fielding some questions from uh, a number of the media members that were sending in questions. I was among those 59 on that panel call. I know Ed was watching and listening with bated breath. Uh, fortunately, he did not cause a ruckus during the press conference. But anyhow, here I think we have the first of the two cuts. We have that available, Age. Let's hear the first of the two cuts from uh, Dr. Hawn here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. We are providing guidance to student-athletes and parents about how to participate in NIL without losing, without violating Virginia High School League policy or without uh, you know, losing their eligibility. You know, what is the impetus behind allowing athletes to sign NIL deals? Again, that's not what this policy is. This policy is not saying that you can sign the deals. The, the policy is saying if you engage in an NIL activity outside of school, then here's the rules that you must follow in order to not become eligible, ineligible, uh, or violate the amateur rule status. What was the impetus for that? Because it's already in our world. Not approving a policy with some guidelines would not be helping our student athletes or their parents or their schools. This is guidance to help folks figure out how to navigate that world. So, just to reiterate before we get to the second cut and they get Ed's reaction to this, uh, Dr. Hahn saying they did not pass a policy this week to say, yeah, you can do this, no, you can't, because they don't feel the VHSL has the authority, the power, to do that. What they can do is provide some guidance for the student-athletes, their parents, the coaches, to help keep students eligible and not violate VHSL policies on eligibility and being an amateur. Now, if that is if there is a violation for the student-athlete, he or she basically receives a one-year ban, you're ineligible for a year. Now, you can certainly appeal that. There's a process for all that. I know Ed can go over that more, but pretty much it's just, you know, you can't be paid as an incentive for enrollment or for intellectual property, meaning athletes can't be paid for activities involving their school team, uniform, logos, the mascot, the school name. They can't wear a high school uniform and represent the school mascot, use the school logo. For example, if Ed's got a five-star point guard, which he does, and I know he dreamed to have one, he can't go out to you know, one of our friends like at Wild Wing Cafe and wear the logo and do autographs with that representing the school, if you will. Uh, they couldn't as an outside group. Now, that question was posed to Dr. Hahn in our second cut of, okay, so said, say, said athlete, he or she violates the policy, they, there is a punishment. 
What about if someone violates the policy that's not set athlete, coach, administrator, school, team? What happens there? Uh, again, that, that's a really good question. And I can sort of give you a generic answer uh, because every case will be different. You know, every case is always different. So if, if a student athlete were to violate this policy, let, let's say a student athlete uh, was, was doing some kind of a social media thing and their image was on their screen while they're doing the social image thing and they have their school jersey on uh, or uh, there's a picture taken of them participating in a school activity that it ends up on an advertisement somewhere. Yes, that, that, that would be the student, that would be on the student athlete. Uh, as long as our schools are going through and covering the policy, advising what, what should be done, that would be on the student athlete, not on the whole. Now, obviously, if we had a violation and the team knew about it and there was nothing being done about it and nothing was being reported, then that creates a different circumstance. Uh, if, if a school person was involved in, in that NIL deal, then that creates a different situation. So uh, in, in general, there's a, you know, it's hard to give a specific answer uh, to that question. But in general, uh, the violation um, would be for the person, the, the student athlete who violated the policy. All right, so that's Dr. Billy Hahn, the executive director of the Virginia High School League at a 757 Saturday Sports Talk here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. As we discuss the decision that the VHSL is going to enable, allow, I should say, not so much you know, promoting it, but athletes to profit from NIL beginning this summer. And I pride myself on trying to be a keen listener. I don't always get it done properly or correctly, but I, I, I listen to that carefully. I don't think Dr. Hahn answered that question with a definite response in terms of what the penalty would be for said school uh, coach, administrator, someone outside of an athlete. Did I hear that right, or, or did you hear something differently? No, no. And I'm, and I'm going to try to be intelligent this time instead of on my rant of a few weeks ago where I didn't think of rhyme and reason. I watched the video like you did. I just heard his response to the question, and I didn't get a clear-cut answer. And I'm, I'm just going to simply say it's because they don't have – they don't know what they want to do. This is my opinion. Dr. Hahn is an extremely intelligent man, and so is a lot of those people on the VHSL board and all that. The problem is, and this is my, again, I'll go by clarification, my opinion. We're so worried about, well, it's already here. Let's deal with it. So let's be proactive and make it legal. When I watched that video, my mind went crazy because what I heard him say was, no Virginia High School League athlete can get an NIL deal with the logo, uniform, representation of anything to do with a VHSL slash school slash district. In other words, no kid can get an NIL deal, but they can get one outside if their parents handle it. And later on in the video, he said no coach or administrator, principal is allowed to broker a deal. So in other words, he's saying – we're not allowing it, but we're going to allow it because it's here. Well, that makes a good question, Ed, because real quickly, just stop you. What if, what if parent is coach of his son or daughter on a team? Then that means they can go broker a deal. And I'm telling you right now, that's 
that's ridiculously stupid. Going to be a lot of adopted kids here pretty soon in the VHSL. Uh, that's the case. You know, it's very simple. The VHSL has opened a whole new can of worms that they don't know how to go out and pick up and put back in a can when it happens. And this crap about people saying, well, if we don't do it, you're going to get sued. You're, they're going to sue, sue me. Take this. Why are we worried about getting sued? Because number one, it's going to take for years to get through the court. Number two, they have to win. Number three, the, the money never comes the next day. So my thing is, if you want to get an NIL deal through your AAU slash travel team slash elite team. Now, somebody correct me. I know there's a lot of people out there way smarter than me. Somebody get on the phone lines and correct me. Does this NIL stuff sound like it's okay if they get it outside of the sport they're playing, i.e., maybe their travel team slash AAU slash seven-on-seven slash elite team, and then we can't do nothing about it? Yes, you can. It's very simple. One sentence. If you have an NIL deal with high school eligibility left, you can take it, but you just gave up your eligibility because you're now a professional. Have fun with your AAU, your elite, your seven-on-seven. We wish you luck because you're now a professional, which a lot of kids, and they, they made a comment in there, a couple comments. He said only about 1% to 2% of athletes get an NIL deal, and the average cost is $61. Correct. Is he looking at his Walmart receipt from the last week? No. It's the elite athletes making thousands, if not millions. Well, time out for a second real quick. He did say that was from a couple of years ago. So the data could have been refreshed. And I think he mentioned it was like 1.3 to 9.3% athletes, somewhere in that ballpark. We can go back to listen to the 30-minute audio and get the exact figure. We don't want to – we're just giving an estimation, guesstimation here, not to be, uh, you know, knocking or or saying that he's – uh, misguided. That was the information that was supplied to him. That I guess he saw it or was you know given. And nonetheless, I think I think your points are, are are right on here. And I think this. And I had this from a long time. I actually had a couple of veteran coaches. One one veteran coach from another sport, sport of football, asked me the day before this Zoom uh, to pose the question. And I think one of the reporters it might have been uh, Mark Davis from a local news channel three WTKR or someone else about transferring. And this is this going to raised that element. He didn't seem like there was necessarily a correlation or connection to that, although there are a lot of coaches that are concerned. One brought up to me, what about just a transfer portal, a basic transfer portal? He pretty much had the same line that you did a few years ago, just make it open season, open enrollment, which would seem very harsh and, and wild. But if you do have a transfer portal period where it allows kids to just go wherever, you know that, that day may be coming. We pretty much had that in NCAA. And then the second thing, I had a veteran coach of your sport who said to me in a text, after watching this, he was more confused and not clear on things than he was prior to it. So if it, it, it didn't so provide the clarity, that would make you wonder, too, where we are. Yeah, and, and so am I. I'm more confused now than ever. And, and again, I don't want to go crazy rant. I want to try to sound, sound intelligent if that can be possible. I believe they've, they've taken on something they really can't control. And the reason I'll say this, the NCA president himself said, we need to get a hold on this NIL and transfer portal stuff. Now, high school technically has had a transfer portal forever. We just don't want to call it that because kids have been immediately eligible when they transfer. We had kids play on a Tuesday in a Peninsula District school, and that Friday play on, on another team in the same district. So come on now. The colleges can't even do that. So the high school portal has been there. We just don't. We just turn a side eye and yuck, yuck behind it. So that's already screwed up. So – my comment to Dr. Hahn would be, you know, Dr. Hahn, we have problems 
we have cracks in the system and rules that, that are in the books that you cannot fix and enforce. Why would you take on this mo- new monster that there is no uh, weapons that can to fight it right now? And, and again, I, I'm going to make things simple until somebody tells me what I say is wrong. If you get an NIL deal, then you lose your high school eligibility. If you say, I want my money because my face was on that big billboard on the highway, okay, stop putting the kid's face on the billboard. Then you won't have to worry about paying them. It's that simple. I don't, I don't see how that's not understandable. Yes, a, yes, a judge is going to say, wait a minute, that kid's face was on a billboard. You didn't pay him. That kid over there doesn't play sports. His face was on a billboard and you paid him. Uh, you can't do that. Okay, don't put the athlete on a billboard. It's that, to me, it's that simple. And if you got an NRL deal with your AU programs, God bless you. Tremendous. And by the way, somebody's told me, oh, Coach, you're just all mad because some of the kids can make more money than you. There's already kids in high school making more money than me. I'm not worried about that. But the problem is we take all this because, hey, this is, hey, this is 2023, young. You're too old. you got to bend with the times. you got – please, please. This – if I was an AAU coach and I had great players that I can get a hold of and I can get them NIL deals, do you not think that makes other kids say, well, Young coaches that AAU team, but he's also the coach at Nazareth River. I got to go over there and play because he can probably get me a deal if I'm good. And here's another statement nobody's ever thought of. How about a basketball team has 12 players, let's say. Well, not all 12 players are getting deals unless they're all recruited elite athletes. So what about those players number 6 through 12 who get nothing? What do you think they're feeling in the locker room against somebody who's making thousands of dollars, possibility, hundreds, in the same locker room, and maybe they perceive that kid's getting professional treatment? How are you going to deal with that? Because the only one that's going to really have to deal with it is the coaches who supposedly have no say. Well, that's definitely happening. On and on and on. Yeah, that's definitely happening in college. Well, we're going to have lots of time in the coming uh, weeks, months, and shows to. uh, And listen, I'm sure there are plenty of people, not just coaches, who share your opinion. There are various opinions that may disagree with you, and we'll have a lot more time to dissect that. But my biggest takeaway, and he did mention this on the Zoom, Ed, as we let you go because we got a guest coming up, uh, is that the policy is going to change within the next year. Gee, you think? I think the policy is definitely going to change, right, Rister? I mean, you make a policy and it's still, they're not even totally sure of the policy, which this is all evolving before our very eyes as we're watching in college sports with the NCAA. Yeah, and I mean, we all, I think for the most part, we all agree that NIL in, in high school sports shouldn't happen. But where, where I kind of draw the line is like, all right, if it happens, it's going to happen. But the only thing I, I disagree with, with Coach about is that, you know, if it's happening, we can't punish the kids for that. Well, you can't yeah, say, hey, because totally. you make money, you can't play sports now. That's, I mean, they didn't make the rules. Right. That's, that was my point from two weeks ago. And, Ed, we'll, we'll catch back up with you later on at the end of the show. We can do our derby right. picks. I'll, we'll talk yep. about the ponies later. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I think, and I don't think it's so much that the, he's, he's trying to get across that we punish the kids. It's why is this being implemented now and how do we go about monitoring it? Because it seems like the monitoring of this could just be a total farce. And that seems like... And on the surface, they're, they're not recognizing that now because we haven't had it happen yet. But sometimes when you see something happen, you go, oh, goodness, I didn't expect that. So we'll, we'll see how this all evolves as this gets implemented beginning this summer. Coming up next, we'll talk with Bennett Conlin. He of, well, he is of Sports Handle, which you can find online at sports underscore handle. 
Uh, and he does a lot of stories on different things in sports, including the Alabama baseball betting controversy, which you've not heard about. We'll tell you about that coming up. He's also uh, the co-founder of JMU Sports News and Group of Five contributor for Hero Sports College Football. It's next here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered by Larry King Law on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here is Matt Hatfield. Back here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered by Larry King Law. If you're injured in an accident, you know who to call it. 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D for Larry King. And we're pleased to be joined by a special guest on the program. We've talked to him for many years here on our airwaves, whether it was UVA football, college football, and so much more. He's now a sports betting reporter for Sports Handle, which you can follow on Twitter at sports underscore handle and sportshandle.com. Bennett Collin back with us here on the program. Bennett, how you been? I've been great. I've been great. Thanks for having me on again. Our pleasure. Well, uh, the big news that came out this week, and I think it kind of flew under the radar because it is Kentucky Derby Day. you got the NBA and NHL playoffs. We're just fresh off the NFL draft and so much happening in the world of sports. Uh, Alabama baseball booting out Brad Bohannon, its coach, as there was some questionable wagers made. Uh, and this is a guy that's making 500000 a year. And I know you've been following the story pretty closely and the person who apparently placed the bets was in communication with Bohannon. Sort of fill the audience in on, A, what transpired, and B, how you learned about it as it was unfolding. Sure, yeah. So I think uh, ESPN first reported the news. But uh, the the major storyline is essentially that there was a large wager placed at a retail sports book in Ohio on an LSU-Alabama baseball game just over a week ago now. LSU was a heavy favorite in that, and somebody placed a large wager. The exact amount uh, hasn't become public yet, but a large wager on LSU to beat Alabama. And it sort of coincided, that wager did, an unusually large wager coincided uh, with the news that Alabama's Friday night starter was not going to go. So you had the, the large bet, and then soon after there was this news that Alabama was pitching essentially a worse pitcher, still a decent pitcher, but not the same quality of arm going up against a really good LSU team. The pitcher was told on short notice, so even more advantage there for the top-ranked Tigers. And um, the more that information that's come out, it was, it was, I guess, reported that Brad Bohannon, yeah, was in contact with the person, um, a former high school baseball coach who placed the wager in Ohio. They were in contact. So it appears, based on the information we have, that at the very least, uh, Brad Bohannon had shared information relating to his team with someone who who placed a suspiciously large wager. It seems like that's, that's the case. So at the, at the very least, it's concerning. It makes sense that Bohannon was fired. And then you can, the more details that come out, we'll see what happens. But obviously, the extent of Bohannon's involvement is going to term, determine a lot in terms of potential NCAA sanctions for him and then maybe even criminal uh, liability, depending on exactly how, how big the scheme, if you want to call it that, was. 
Sure, and this is School Alabama that's certainly known as a college football power under Nick Saban. Their basketball program was embroiled in some controversy off the court, which involved its star player and Brandon Miller, who continued to play through the NCAA basketball tournament upon their departure when they were knocked out by national runner-up San Diego State in the Sweet 16. And as you know, this happens, uh, Bennett, things go wild on the internet. It can be rumors, some things that's not concrete and proven or necessarily true or that we know it's true just yet. And first thing that hit my mind, I'm not sure if it was for you, was the old Boston College scandal uh the point shaving scandal from 78 79 which a lot of people know the the story from the 30 for 30 espn did entitled playing for the mob where you know there was an involvement as far as a gambling conspiracy that had henry hill who people know from the movie goodfellas there and um as this thing takes place you see the the reports about the bet was placed within a couple of hours of the first pitch where the starting pitcher for bama was scratched with a lower back stiffness the kid who fills in for him hadn't pitched in a month and a half i think since march 16th was a spot starter. How surprised were you as more started to come out about this? Or is this something you say, this is probably happening in other you know, walks of sports, be it college baseball, football, basketball. We just don't know about it or it hasn't been reported necessarily. Yeah, I think it's, it's one that's maybe not the most surprising. I think what's surprising is the people involved. I think it's one where like it wouldn't shock me much if you had like a graduate assistant for like a Power 5 football team that was aware of like a player availability and texted his buddies and his one of their friends placed like a hundred dollar bet. Right. That's, that's something that would make sense and probably would go undetected um, at least potentially, because that doesn't seem overly suspicious um, with some of those integrity monitoring services where sometimes you need a wager that's so large or it's maybe it's significantly larger than a better usually places something that sort of creates a red flag. So in this case, you had a large wager. Again, that amount isn't exactly known that sort of flagged, these services to look into it and then the more they looked into it to find that a head coach of an sec baseball program was it at least at the very least was in contact with the better um which is a little bit alarming and concerning for sure and, and pretty surprising i wouldn't expect you know a head coach let's say he is involved um in terms of knowing that the person he was speaking to is going to place a bet and maybe he was involved where hey like if the bet hits i get a certain percentage of it or whatever i mean that's pretty shocking because college baseball especially right this isn't like the super bowl where you can wager a whole bunch of money most sports books have relatively low limits on college baseball i know for mobile sports books you're probably not placing more than like 500 bucks or a thousand dollars on a college baseball game in the regular season the retail sports book might have had a larger limit but even then like i don't think you're getting like a hundred thousand dollars down and if it's like a minus 250 money line favorite that just seems kind of surprising for a guy making $500,000 annually with a team that has a ton of talent and is right now projected to make the NCAA tournament. I don't really understand uh, sort of why you would want to be involved if, if Bohannon was, you know, heavily involved in what was going on. That would be really surprising for somebody in what appears to be kind of a prime position. If you want, if you love college baseball, you're a head coach in the SEC. That seems like a pretty good gig and one that you wouldn't really want to risk. So I think that's, what's so surprising is this wasn't like a, you know, volunteer assistant coach who wasn't making a ton of money. This is somebody who was pretty well paid and in a, a pretty good spot in terms of where he was coaching in the college baseball landscape. I mentioned the Alabama controversy where basketball player Darius Miles and co-defendant Michael Lynn Davis were arrested and charged with the capital murder and the shooting death of Jamia Jonay Harris near the university campus. And we know Brandon Miller 
continue to play, even though his name was implicated involvement potentially with all that. And, you know, Bohannon, the baseball coach here, gets the boot. Someone brought up to me yesterday, they don't think this is enough. They think someone within the administration, athletic department, if you will, needs to take the fall for something like this as well. My my reply was, well, I'm not so sure that the, the administration or athletic department could have prevented this or knew about this. What's your feeling on that? Do you think that this is enough and it, it could more come out of the story or do you think the story is pretty much done at this point? Yeah, I think once we get the details on Bohannon's like full involvement and then the actual size of the wager, I think the story will probably uh, blow up maybe even a little bit more than it has. I think there's a, there are a few questions that are pretty interesting where there have been some reports that you know the game wasn't compromised. Oh, we, we still got you there, Bennett? I think we might have lost you for a second. Oh, we'll, we'll see if we can reconnect with Bennett there. He just cut out for us. Then now we hear the phone went bye-bye. So we'll try to reconnect. He mentioned that the game might have been compromised, and we'll see if we can pick up there before we uh, wrap it up with Bennett Conlon here from Sports Handle, and then we'll take a break and hear from Jerry Ratcliffe, Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, on his recent induction among the nine in the class of 2023 for the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. But, uh, yeah, it is it, another one I want to get to him before we roll is, uh, is this the tip of the iceberg? I've heard that phrase thrown out. By some people that know, that know either the story or just thinking college sports in, in general. And also, he had an interesting tweet about the uh, totals. I want to get his take because he did cover college football before we let him roll. Hopefully, we can reconnect with Bennett. If not, we'll try to get him back on on a future episode of the program. So I think um, uh, we've got we got Bennett back here on the on the program. We do. We have Bennett calling about. Sorry about that, Bennett. We lost connection there. I think you were saying we'll pick it back up. You said where possibly the game might have been compromised. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that was certainly an interesting topic. I know there's been reports that, that the game wasn't compromised, but um, I'm interested to know what that means, right? If players weren't involved, there's that aspect of it. But if, if Bohannon did make a pitching change, knowing there was going to be a bet placed, in my, I mean, in my opinion, that's compromising the game to a certain extent if it's the worst starting pitcher. So, like, those details will be really important to see what comes out there. And they've had some other issues, too. I think their director of compliance was arrested uh, a week or so ago for domestic abuse. Oof. So some concerns there, certainly. So, I mean, the athletic director, Greg Burns, not in a great spot with a lot of controversy going on. It's pretty easy to sort of point fingers there. I know at his time at Arizona, there were also some um, internal controversies that he maybe didn't handle uh, in a way that he should have. So if you're, if you're going to point fingers, I could certainly see uh, some people looking toward uh, the athletic di- director. But at the same time, I'm, I'm guessing it was not known that Bohannon was um, you know, involved whatever capacity he was with some of this wagering. Indeed. Come more minutes here with Bennett Collin of Sports Handle, our guest on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And there's also been reports, Bennett, I don't know how true or untrue they are, that there might have been a combination wager, which is not just a straight single wager. There might have been mm-hmm. some parlays with this. I've heard the phrase, that is this the tip of the iceberg? And that might not just be involving this specific case and game with Alabama and LSU and an SEC college baseball. What's your reaction to when someone says, is this the tip of the iceberg? And could we hear other stories like this in the coming days and weeks and months with sports gambling being legalized, not just here in Virginia, but all across the country in various states? I think you certainly could. There's widespread access to sports betting compared to you know a decade ago. So that's certainly... A part of it. The one point I, I will say that I think is pretty important here is I've seen a lot of people who have sort of floated the idea that this is going to become super regular and, and a big concern. I think this was probably happening a decent amount before and just not being caught based on sort of the level of wagers being placed. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that you do have the legalized market in a lot of states now, you're able to track it, right? You have companies, regulators, sports books, whatever that are working 
to track this irregular betting activity where like if, if coach Bohannon and his friend were, were talking and they placed a wager with a bookie or they did it on an offshore sports book, this might've never actually been caught. So the fact that they were using a bet MGM sports book allowed it to, to be caught and then quickly sort of ushered out him losing his job and, and obviously more investigation going on in terms of the extent of, of what exactly was going on. But I think from that perspective, it's a, it's a positive uh, for the sports gambling industry in a sense that, hey, the legal protections are working to at least a, a certain extent. So I, I understand when people are maybe concerned about how widespread sports betting is across the country. Uh, but in terms of scandals like this, I think there's actually a, probably a significant benefit to having legal sports books that have consumer protections and things like this that can actually track uh, irregular behavior. Absolutely. And I think we're all in agreement. We're all against uh, suspicious, nefarious activity in regards to sports wagering. And uh, it is legal in our state. And there are some things that make it fun to follow. I'm sure we'll get you back on the show as it closer to college football. I need to, you did a neat story on the uh, sports handle about prime time, Deion Sanders and the three and a half win total for Colorado there. But I want to get you on a fun one out here on this one, uh, Bennett. The uh, DraftKings, I think, has the totals you put up there for Virginia and Virginia Tech for the wins. UVA at three and a half. Virginia Tech at four and a half. So if I put your feet to the fire here on May 6th, which doesn't mean much because the transfer portal is still alive and well and things can change between now and August 6th or September 6th, over three and a half, under three and a half UVA, over four and a half, under four and a half for Virginia Tech, which of those four seems most likely to hit in your opinion? I think I like Virginia Tech over four and a half. Some of that is you kind of got the odds favoring that. I think it was minus 140 on over four and a half. But I feel like Virginia Tech's maybe made a little bit more progress recruiting, a little more progress in the transfer portal, I feel like they're getting a little bit closer to taking a step forward. I wouldn't be shocked if they made a bowl game this year. I think for Virginia, um, just, it was hard to sort of watch what the offense was doing last year. Um, it sounds like from, from spring ball, maybe there's some more buy-in there, but they also lost a significant amount of talent. Uh, they've got some questions at quarterback and, and the fact that, you know, their, their starter uh, is playing, potential starter is, is playing baseball right now. They've got another guy who transfer from Monmouth that's been working in, but I kind of think Virginia might end up going under that. They've got a semi-tough schedule and could come down to that in-state game uh, with JMU and UVA early in the season to sort of determining how Virginia is going to do this year with some of those tough games on their schedule. And they also have, I think they've got William and Mary, which is supposed yeah. to be one of the you know top five or 10 FCS teams in the country. So they don't really seem like they have a, a break there uh, early on and, and throughout the whole season. So I think it'll be Tough sledding for Virginia. I'm a little more optimistic about uh, what Virginia Tech has going on. Yeah, Mike London against his former school, and I think you're spot on with that JMU-UVA game being a pivotal one for the Cavaliers. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago when I caught up with Tony Elliott at the uh, Virginia Beach Sports Club lunch. And if we've learned one thing about the Hokies, they can't look past that first game to Big Ten matchups with Purdue and Rutgers because as we carry ODU football here, the Monarchs coming to Lane Stadium Mm -hmm. on September 2nd will be a (laughs) key game. Well, uh, check out his work on SportsHandle.com. Bennett Conlon does a fabulous job. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk again soon. Have a great weekend. Of course. Thanks for having me on. That's Bennett Conn with us here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a timeout and come back with Jerry Ratcliffe, the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, to dive in more on the Who's right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here is Matt Hatfield. Welcome back to the show. It's brought to you by Larry King Law. If you're injured in an accident, you call 757-INJ-U-R-E-D for Larry King. Matt Hatfield here with him. We're privileged to be joined by a special guest. He's 
a guy that is not only an avid golfer and author, Heisman Trophy and Wooden Award voter, podcast host, and a recent inductee to the class of 2023 for the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, a media fixture covering sports in Central Virginia, focused primarily on UVA athletics over four decades at the Daily Progress, and now the brainchild of JerryRatcliffe.com. We say good morning and congrats to Jerry Ratcliffe. Uh, congrats, Hall of Famer. How are you? Doing great, Matthew. How are you, man? I'm uh, doing well, and it was a blast to see you a couple weeks ago among that great group of nine individuals in the Hall of Fame. So I want to know, when you get the call from Will Driscoll that you're going in the Hall of Fame, what happens? Do you get hit with tears? Do you drop the phone? Do you say, stop pranking me? What's what's the response from Jerry Ratcliffe when you get that in- information presented to you? Probably all of the above. <laughs> but uh, mostly I was stunned, I think, um... And, uh, and and somewhat relieved. It's, it's something you wonder if you'll ever uh, experience and, and have you know have that honor bestowed upon you for a lifelong of work and uh, all in the state of Virginia. And um, uh, I was speechless almost. And, and that that's for those who know me. That's that's pretty hard to to happen. So. Um, but it was truly a blessing, and um, it, it led to uh, an incredible day a couple of weekends ago that I'll never forget. Uh, it was just uh, an incredible experience to, to go in with that class, those uh, incredible people that uh, were inducted that day, including two of the guys that I was able to cover uh, their careers here at Virginia, Ryan Zimmerman from your area, mm-hmm. and uh, Sean Moore, the, who was quarterback in 1990 and took this program to places it had never been before and in some places it hasn't been since. Yeah, it was a neat weekend because, okay, yeah, you had a Hokie, you had a Deep Creek High in D'Angelo Hall, you had a member of the tribe in Jimmy Laycock, you also had uh, Joe Montgomery, Sheila Trice Myers, who set numerous records, NCAA Christopher Newport, you had Bob Rotons, who did some just remarkable things. He was neat to chat with a couple weekends ago as far as what he did at, at Roanoke College in lacrosse. Don't want to leave out Francina McCrory, who was a great track athlete, Hampton University, Bethel High School. Uh, but the UVA flavor with Moore, Zimmerman, and yourself, that had to be cool. And you mentioned about being speechless, Jerry. The good thing is that you don't have to make the speech that day when you get told. You get some uh, days and weeks and months to prepare for that speech. And um, I want to know this, though. You know, all of the people that cover sports like yourself for, for decades and pour so much blood, sweat, and tears into this, and you tell the stories of lives, especially those at the University of Virginia, in such a, a really in-depth way, you have mentors or people you look up to, whether it's someone in sports casting or in broadcasting or sports writing, you know, television, radio, you name it. Who were the people that when you were growing up, Jerry Ratcliffe said, you know, you had these, the Bob Costas's, the Marv Alberts, the, these writers. Who were those people that were influences on you early in your career or before you even got your career started? Uh, I did. I had many. I, I, I grew up uh, reading the Roanoke Times at breakfast every morning before I'd go to high school and uh, would read guys like Bill Brill, uh, who was back in those days, all over the state and the ACC, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of kind of caught my eye. I, I remember he wrote a column that said, so you want to be a sports writer and talk about all the places he had been in one week? And I said, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, 
uh, you know, I'll have to admit that Howard Cosell was uh, somewhat of an influence because at that at that time in the uh, 60s, uh, late 60s, uh, you know, in early 70s, he had uh, made a name for himself uh, in New York, but I guess a lot of people didn't know much about him until Monday Night Football. And the fact that he was willing to go against the grain and his famous quote was, tell it like it is, uh, struck a chord with me because I I thought that's the way it should be because uh, I didn't think you should hold back and and not criticize athletes or coaches just because they were on a pedestal. And uh, I think that was an influence. Bill Mills, the late Bill Millsaps from the Richmond Times-Dispatch was a had a huge impact on me once I, I got in the business and um, I thought he was the best sports writer this state has ever had. And um, he won the Red Smith award, uh, which kind of proves that he, he hung out with the big dogs in the country, uh, went everywhere, did everything. And I used to call him all the time and get personal mentoring from him. And he was so gracious and kind to me. And uh, I always thought he did it the way it should be done. Well, certainly a guy like Jerry Ratcliffe among those like the Millsteads, the Brills, and the all-time great annals of sports writers here in our state. We're talking with Jerry Ratcliffe here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. We'll chat about UVA and some things happening there, basketball, football side in a moment here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Check out his website, jerryratcliffe.com. You'll have a fun time looking that over. And I want to get to that real quick before we shift gears here, Jerry, because you made the transition from more than four decades there, Daily Progress as a newspaper writer to Internet. As you know now know, social media and the Internet is such a big deal for you. How was that transition? And I think you hit on it about Howard Cosell, about telling it like it is. I think for all young sports writers, broadcasters, casters people in this profession you have to have your own unique flavor and niche and in on the internet have you been able to kind of discover that doing it the way you do it now with some podcasting some writing you can kind of have your own flavor to it and there might be some advantages that outweigh the disadvantages at times uh yeah matthew uh you know i haven't really changed that much in terms of the way i, I write a report but okay. uh it was a challenge making that transition because i wasn't sure what i was going to do and it's kind of hard to reinvent yourself after uh 40 years in the business newspaper business but um i I had to figure it out and i had a lot of help from people like chris graham and uh scott german and and people like that and just to help me get acclimated to the digital world um which i had had some experience with at the newspaper but not to this degree and so I had to learn about um, uh, just, you know, <laughs> advertising for one thing, <laughs> which is certainly not my strong suit, but it's one way, you know, you got to find a way to support yourself. And uh, because just because you, you you report and write doesn't mean that people are going to uh, pay, pay to see what you produce. But, um, uh, you know, that was there was that aspect, the business end of it, uh, the promotional end of it. Uh, and I tell you, I, you have to work hard when you're on your own. I, I started out at a tiny newspaper as a one man sports staff and, and I, it looks like I'm finishing up as a one man sports <laughs> staff as well. So, 
uh, you put a lot of labor into it, a lot of hours. And uh, as everybody knows, breaking news uh, has no mercy. So uh, you've got to be ready 24-7, be on call to uh, when the news breaks, you got to be there. Yeah, that's one of the things I think that it echoes a lot of what people that have made the transition from newspaper to internet, or they retire and they go into this. Like, there's no, there's no ending with it. There's no deadline per se. Which there, there's some pluses to that, but there's also some minuses to that. Like, uh, you know, you're still up at three a.m. sometimes getting a story done or getting that information out to your your loyal readers and dedicated audience. Uh, Jerry, uh, today I know there's a big deal going on at the University of Virginia. A lot of individuals will be paying tribute and honoring the late great Terry Holland. I know a three-time National Player of the Year. Uh, Ralph Sampson will share moderator duties with Seth Greenberg, uh, the ESPN basketball analyst who once coached the Hokies of Virginia Tech. And there are some coaches that a lot of people know that are scheduled to uh, participate in terms of speaking, like John Calipari of Kentucky, Jim Laranega of Miami, uh, Tony Bennett, the head coach at UVA, uh, Old Dominion coach Jeff Jones, who is a former UVA player, Rick Carlisle, who I know you had a chance to speak with for the uh, podcast on your website on jerryratcliffe.com, and also a three-time Grammy Award winner and friend of the show, Bruce Hornsby, will perform. He's a Williamsburg native and a diehard college basketball fan. I know he was uh, one of the favorites of Holland in terms of music. Uh, sort of tell the people about what a special day's on tap here on a, uh, the Saturday at JPJ, if you can. Yeah, you're right, Matthew. I mean, it's it's going to be an incredible afternoon. The doors open at 1. I think your friend Bruce starts playing at one thirty, and then the program starts at 2. Uh, I mean, what a collection of coaches to come in to honor Terry Holland and his incredible career. Uh, one of those, Seth Greenberg, who I got to know a little bit when he was a grad assistant here in the early 80s, Terry took him under his wing uh and and really helped him develop in the business and had such an impact on seth's life that uh, i've had seth on podcasts uh, over the years and and he will, will readily tell you that he never made a, a significant decision the rest of his life uh, including getting married uh mm. until he conferred with terry holland about uh, the issue, and so that? that that shows you what an impact Holland had on Seth Greenberg, uh, and I'm sure he was that way with with all of his players and coaches over the years. Um, he has a significant coaching tree that I don't think he ever got a lot of credit for. I mean, those, those are a lot of big time coaches that are coming here today to uh, just tell his story. And a lot of the players as well. I mean, he's produced some incredible players uh, over the years, including Ralph Sampson, who was national three-time player of the year, as you mentioned, uh, in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, just uh, incredible players from who live on all corners of the country now. And um, even some people from, I think, the Davidson president, President Kuykendall, where Terry was uh, played and coached and was the AD and uh, one of our favorite guys of all time, former East Carolina head coach Ruffin McNeil, football coach, who was the coach of East Carolina when Terry was the AD down there. Um, they're coming from everywhere to honor this man, and uh, I, it should be one heck of an afternoon just to, to hear stories told about uh, how Terry – 
influenced their life and and um and just what a successful guy that he was i mean he came to virginia when virginia basketball was nothing really and uh in two years had them in the acc tournament uh championship game which they uh surprisingly won beating three nationally ranked teams and in three nights um and you know he didn't come and use this as a stepping stone he stayed for 16 years and built a heck of a basketball program and as rick carlisle told me the other day he said you know tony bennett will tell you that uh, he probably wouldn't have come here if, if somebody like terry holland hadn't built the foundation years before and showed what could be done here and uh it was important enough to terry to make sure that Virginia had an arena and facilities that could attract uh, some of the better players in the country and uh, and showcase this program. No question about it. UVA very blessed to have people transcending uh, the sport with people like Tony Bennett, their current coach, and their former coach, the late, great Terry Holland. We'll get you out on this, Jared. I'm sure we will connect with you, I'd imagine so, before the uh, season opener for the Cavaliers on the gridiron on September 2nd against the Tennessee Volunteers of the SEC. But a uh, quick take on uh, just where the Cavaliers stand here as this transfer portal continues to move on. We had a conversation with Tony Elliott, the head coach, a couple weeks back, and I see uh, Malcolm Green transferring in from Clemson defensive back to solidify the secondary to a degree here. I know they lost Cam Kelly, who went in the portal, came from UNC, was there briefly, went to Louisville. But I think this could be a pretty big deal because he not only joins his younger brother and Miles, but that Highland Springs program, which has some ties to Virginia Tech, obviously, with its head coach being a Hokie alum in Lauren Johnson, and I think they want to build a little bit more of a pipeline in the 804 at that school. Uh, yeah, that could be a significant breakthrough, Matthew. I, I, I do truly believe that because uh, as good a job as Bronco Mendenhall did in trying to get this program back on level ground or above, uh, he didn't do well recruiting the state of Virginia, and that's something that Tony, uh, excuse me, Elliot has made a priority and getting guys like Malcolm Green and his younger brother uh, are huge. And, and they have uh, – they, they signed a, a few guys from the state last year. They've got more uh, coming in in this second wave, second class. Uh, and like you said, tapping into Highland Springs is a, is a major deal because they've been one of the top programs in the state for a while now. And uh, – if you can tap into that and uh, and show people and bring those guys in and, and establish some pride and, and try to and try to show that you can win here, uh, that's how George Welsh did it many years ago, and it's a formula that I think is is a smart way to try to get this program back uh, to strong footing again. It, it's struggling right now; they're way behind, and when you fall behind in Power Five football. There's no mercy. It's hard to catch up, but uh, I think the, the one way of doing it is through recruiting and bringing in talent, and particularly state talent. And uh, there's a lot of great players out there uh, from yesteryear who helped build this program once uh, from the inside out, and uh, I think that's a smart way for Tony Elliott to go about his business. 
for sure. A step in the right direction, bringing on Malcolm Breen, you would think, if you're a Cavalier fan. Well, check it out online, jerryratcliffe.com, for more of your UVA updates and stories, be it football, basketball, you name it, and a Virginia Sports Hall of Famer so richly deserved. Uh, all the best, my friend. You have a great weekend, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Matthew. It's uh, great being with you. Uh, I appreciate the work you do, and um, I know your uh, listeners do too. So uh, thanks for having me, and we'll see you soon down the road. Always a pleasure, Jerry. Take care. That is the one and only Jerry Ratcliffe with us here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Hour one in the book coming up. Hour two as we talk to ponies Kentucky Derby style with Daryl Wood. It's coming up next on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1.